Well, good morning, Northside family. Great to be with you today. And can we welcome everybody online real quick? Just want to say hello to them. And uh, I know we're reaching worldwide today because my dad just made it to Romania and he sent me a video right now. So dad, Rach, Bella, everybody, Zay, can we just welcome them real quick? Just say, yeah, man, we love you. And uh, I love this is the power of technology, man, that we can be all around the world and be able to stay connected. And I love just the power of what God does through the church, especially through uh, Andrew and Jenna Grants. I love seeing how God works through community. Uh, to give you a little context about their story, they moved back here due to COVID. He had a job in Missouri, uh, had to end up moving back here, doing all this stuff. And then God opened the door for them to join a life group. Uh, and then to give a little bit of background to that, uh, we had a number of young couples in our church who were wanting to join a life group, but they didn't have a leader. And so we kind of tapped Andrew and Jenna on the shoulder and we said, we know you guys have only been back in the area for a little while, uh, but we need you to lead a life group. Welcome to Northside. And, uh, and they said, you know, let us pray about it. And they said, okay, you know, we've never done this before. We're a little, it feels a little bit out of our comfort zone, but the Lord is leading us to it. And their life group is thriving. It is an amazing group. And, and I want to encourage you, seriously, if you're not in a life group, one, to stop out in the lobby afterwards or online, get connected, but also not just if you're not in a, in a life group to get connected, but for some of you in this room, God has been prodding and calling you to start a group, that he's put people in your life and he's saying, this is what I have for you next is actually to begin to care and take care of and invest in those around you. And so if God is prompting you, we just want to encourage you and walk with you in this next season of what God's doing. Uh, because this is, what, this is why we're actually doing this series called It's Complicated, because none of us get to follow Christ by ourselves. The church is a body. It's all of us together. And I remember growing up, one of my parents' friends, they said this, I was only about five or six, and they said this, they said, Nate, the only problem with the church is this. And I'm like, uh-oh, what is it? You know, I was thinking like my dad was keeping secrets from me. And he said, the only problem with the church is this, you ready? People. And he's like, and if we could just change people, we wouldn't have any problems in the church. The problem with that is the church is people which means there's problems and there's complications and we're all broken people growing more into the image of God. That's why the past couple of weeks uh, we've been talking about what are the big issues in our relationships? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about conflict and Jesus addresses conflict this way. He says a lot of times in conflict, we wanna avoid it, we wanna run away from it or we wanna attack it. And what Jesus says is this, instead of waiting for somebody else to come to you when there's conflict, you go to them. And you go to them with the heart of reconciliation. You go with them going, hey, I know we might disagree, but we need to talk this out because I don't want to lose the relationship. And this means that we have to walk in the grace and the mercy and the humility of God. This is how our relationships thrive when it's complicated. Last week, we talked about communication. And we looked at the story of Jonah and the book of Jonah, how he didn't have great communication with God. And really for us, if we want to begin to simplify our relationships, what we need to do is this. We need to give God the first word and the last word. Got an email this week uh, from a couple in the church, and uh, they said uh, normally they come on Sunday morning, but because of plans last weekend, they talked earlier in the week about coming to Saturday night. And so Saturday night rolled around, and uh, the wife said, you ready to go to church? And he said, uh, we didn't decide to do that. Yes, we did. Remember, we talked about that and this, that. And he goes, well, we never agreed to it. She said, she put in her email. She said, so I just left and went to church, left him at home. 
And uh, she said, then later on, he drove to church. And literally last week, they both come in, sit next to each other, all sorts of miscommunication, sermons on communication. <laughs> Afterwards, uh, she put this in the email. She said, we were walking out and the husband goes, I guess that sermon was for us, huh? She said, I leaned over and she said, I gave him a kiss on the cheek. And then he said, I guess that means I was right. We were supposed to go on Sunday. She said, as soon as he said that, they were walking out over here by the patio. As soon as he said, I guess I was right, he was looking at her and he ran into one of the tree branches out there on the patio. I'm not, I'm not making this up, it's in the email. She turned to him and she said, God always gets the last word. And I go, yes, he does. Yes, he does. But man, oftentimes, this is why relationships get complicated. We think we said something or, or, or we're, we're serious. We said it, but somebody else didn't hear it. And we have to navigate communication. And today, what we're going to talk about is this. We're going to talk about control. Because oftentimes, what happens is what makes things complicated is when we're not in control, or if we're going, you know what, in the world, things would work out a whole lot better if people would just listen to what I say, wouldn't it? You ever been there? You go, man, if people just listen, right? If people just do what I say, man, things would be a whole lot easier. Now, here's the deal about control. Control by itself is not a bad thing. It's actually not. Before the service last night, I walked over, it was right over here, and there was three people on their phones just right next to each other, family over there. I'm like, and I just kind of jokingly walked up. I said, hey, you guys can talk to each other. You don't have to text each other, you know? And uh, the lady looked up at me. She goes, oh, no, no, no. I'm placing my order at Cluckers. So that way when church is over, I can go over and pick up dinner. And I'm like, man, the power that we have right now in our phones, we have control to be able to order and click lists and do this other stuff. And, and control by itself is not bad. The only thing is this. When you and I feel out of control, what comes out of us? And how do we handle that? Boy, there's nothing worse in life than that feeling of being out of control, isn't there? And I'm not talking about like, it just a, it, there's problems when we have addictions coming up and we go, man, I can't stop what I'm doing. And, and that's a scary feeling. But even if you're not struggling with addiction, when somebody steals your identity, starts racking up charges on your credit card, there's a scary feeling of being out of control. You can't stop what's happening, but it's happening to you. And there's this helpless feeling of going out of control and all sorts of emotions and feelings come up inside of us. This week as school went back, uh, my, little, my middle son, Carter, it was his first day of kindergarten. And uh, I'm thinking, you know what, first day of kindergarten, we're gonna drop him off. He's not gonna ride the bus into school, he'll ride the bus home, but you know what, we're, we're gonna drop him off. That way we, you know, as parents, we can feel like we have control. And uh, it turns out every other parent dropped off their kindergartner that day. I mean, the road, the line was backed up. It literally took 45 minutes to drop our son off first day. And we're just inching along, inching along, because here's why we did it. Internally, we didn't say it, but this is what was happening. We were losing control. We were taking our boy that's always been at home with us and now we're beginning to place him in school and there's this sense of I'm losing control over him. I'm not getting to dictate everything and I'm having to give up control. And what happened was this, I remember my wife was sitting there, where, you know, we're inching along and, and what happens is where you go in to drop off your kid, you circle back by. So as you're waiting to go in, the cars are back by, leaving back by. And by this time, you know, we're 30 minutes in and I'm just sitting there and I'm just staring her down and she goes, oh, did you see that? I said, no, what was it? She goes, that lady was losing it. 
And I said, wait a minute. And then we just started watching and minivan after minivan was driving back by and it was the ugliest cries you had ever seen in your life. I mean, moms are just losing it. They try to have their sunglasses on, they're losing it. And you just see the dads freaking out. Like they've never seen their wife like this before. They're like, they're just like tapping, like, please, I don't know what to do right now. We're going to do a prayer station at the end of schools next year, right? When you drop off, someone could pray for you. But I've never seen it. And what was happening was this, you saw visibly moms losing control. And man, there's something that happens in us about control. It affects us. There's emotions that come on. Matter of fact, for some of you, even if you're not parents here, you know this. I know this about myself. There's some things now, I turn 40 next year, that I go, man, by 40, I thought I would have this under control. I thought this wouldn't be coming up in my life anymore. I thought I'd be beyond this. I thought I wouldn't struggle with this. I thought this wouldn't be going on. And what happens is we find ourselves sometimes in life, whether we like it or not, out of control. What I want to do today is this. I want us to really wrestle with this question. What does it look like to actually have control in our life? When sometimes we don't have control. Some of you are looking at me going, Nate, it ain't possible. Give it up. I know we're going to get there. But what we're going to find is this. God actually has a way for you and I to experience control in our life. The only thing is this. It doesn't look the way we think. Oftentimes, here's my problem. I can address areas of my life that I feel like, man, I don't have it under control yet and I need to get control. And, and, and my assumption about the Bible is this. When I open up the Bible, I begin to read and look at different characters in the Bible and I go, I bet they had everything under control. Let me just give you a quick footnote in the Bible. There was nobody but Jesus who had it under control in the Bible. This is why we need them. Matter of fact, what I wanna to do today is I wanna look at one of the greatest leaders in the Bible who lost control and what God does in his life and what God wants to do in your life and what God wants to do in my life. What I wanna look at is in Numbers chapter 20, I wanna look at Moses, one of the greatest leaders of all time. And sometimes when we, you know, when we open the Bible, we go, oh yeah, Moses, that one great guy in the Old Testament, I, I bet he didn't struggle. Actually, this guy, his whole life was out of control. When he was born, he was born into an era of genocide of the Israelite boys. When he, was born, they kill, when he was born, they were killing all the Israelite boys because that's how you control a nation that you want to destroy. You don't allow the next generation to come up. That's how you end other nations. And the Egyptians put that mandate out. That's why his parents put him in a basket, floated him down a river and into Pharaoh's palace. And Pharaoh's family raised him in the palace. Moses was born in an out of control situation. He gets raised up in the palace by Egyptians. And when he walks out of the palace, when he's a grown man, what happens is he walks out and he sees his people in slavery. And what happens is he saw specifically, he saw this one Egyptian who was a slave driver beating the tar out of these Israelite men. And he lost it on this guy. He loses it and he actually kills the man. Isn't it fascinating? We have a term for this. When you're driving on the road, we call it a two-word phrase. When somebody begins to take control from you, road what? Rage. How is it that we can lose it on people that we've never met before, that we do not know, but in an instant, we're ready to fight them? See, what happens is this. Whether we're aware of it or not, there's something going on deep inside of us. 
There was something going on deep inside of Moses he wasn't even aware of. And here's what happens. He loses control, kills a guy, and he runs away for 40 years. He's embarrassed because he's lost control. Lost control of his life, lost control of his temper, and he doesn't know what to do, and so he just runs away. See, here's where our relationships get messed up. When we lose control, we try to take control and fix it all. And I just want to let you know, that's where your relationships actually get worse. God has a different way. What you find in Moses' life is this. God approaches him in the burning bush and he goes, I know you've been running for 40 years, Moses. I want to work through you. So if you feel out of control today, you need to know this. Your heavenly father is here to redeem and work through you. Every single person in the Bible that God works through was a broken, out of control person. That is why it is so important. Our confession of faith is this, that God, we are a sinner in need of a savior. That God, we are out of control people who needs a God who is in control to redeem and reconcile us. This is what heals our relationships. What I want to look at today is when Moses lost it the most. In Numbers chapter 20, God had led Moses to free his people out of Egypt. They've crossed through the Red Sea and now they're in the desert. And listen to what it says in Numbers chapter 20, verse 1. It says this, in the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin and they stayed at Kadesh. We're gonna talk about that here in a second. There, Miriam died and was buried. That was Moses' sister. Now there was no water for the community and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and they quarreled with Moses and said, if we only had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord, why'd you bring the Lord's community into the desert? that we and our livestock should die here. Why do you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Do you see this out of control situation? Let me give you a little context. When it says that they were back in Kadesh, this is where they had started months ago when God was calling them to Canaan on their way to the promised land. But here's the thing, God's people wouldn't give God control. And so what they find is this, they're back in Kadesh. Y'all ever been on, maybe you want to go to, for fall break or spring break down to Florida and everybody's pumped to go down to Florida until you hit the traffic in Atlanta. And you feel like you need to give your life to the Lord on the other side of Atlanta. You're like, God, I am so sorry, right? I don't know what was going on inside of me. But there's nothing worse than when you have a destination to go to and you feel like you are getting nowhere. That's exactly where Moses is. God, we're we're not getting anywhere. We're still in Kadesh. And not only are they in Kadesh, now Moses' sister dies. We all know the pain of losing a loved one. Every single one of us face that out of control reality that one day you and I will breathe our last breath. That's a big reality. And he's experiencing the pain of death. And then not only that, everybody hates him. Boy, what a time to be a leader. And not only does everybody hate Moses, they have no food or water. Totally out of control. What do you do when you're out of control? And not just you, what do you do when the circumstances around you are out of control? You're going, God, I can't even wrap my arms around this. I, I, I can't even provide food. There's no water. God, God, what are you doing? This is what happens. Verse 6. Right after that, Moses and Aaron went 
from the assembly, from the people to the entrance to the tent of meeting where the presence of God was. They go to the tent of meeting and fell face down. That's what you and I do, right? When we're out of control, boom, right? We just like fall before God. God, I have no control. They fed, it says they fell face down. And then what was interesting is this, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Here they are out of control and they just bring their out of control selves to God. And God appears to them and he begins to talk to them and it says, the Lord said to Moses, here's what I want you to do. Take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together and speak to that rock before their eyes, all the Israelites' eyes, and it will pour out its water. What God is saying is this, Moses, I know you're out of control. But I'm a God who's in control. And all I want you to do is this. Go and I want you to speak to that rock and water's going to pour out of it. And then he says this. And you will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. God is saying when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel out of control, you you just bring that out of control. And, And what's beautiful about God is this. When you and I feel like we have nothing left in the tank, God always has something left in the tank. When you and I feel overwhelmed, God's going, I'm not overwhelmed by this situation, Moses. I just want you to come and meet me right where you are. So verse 9, Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded, and he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock Twice with his staff, and water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. Now, pause real quick. Did God ask him to do that? God just asked him to do one thing. Hey, Moses, go speak to the rock. That's all I need you to do, my man. I know you're tired. I know you're worn out. I know your sister just died. I know everybody hates you. I know there's nothing. Here's all I need you to do. I don't need you to show off. It's not going to be about your power. You don't need to do any of that stuff. I know you're overwhelmed. I know you're out of control. Just go speak to the rock, to the rock and guess what? Water's going to flow. What does Moses do? Got it, Lord. You rebels, must we bring water to you? You hear the pride in that? And then he takes the staff. And see, here's the thing about Moses. The last time God provided water, he just said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to use your staff, hit the rock, water's going to come out. This time, God didn't say, strike the rock. And you know what he does? He takes his staff and he strikes it twice. There's something going on deeper in Moses here that he's failing to realize. And here's what's happening. He calls them rebels because all of the hatred and the back and forth and the community and the relationship. See, this whole thing that's going on inside of all of us, it affects those around us. And what's happening around us begins to affect us. And listen what God tells them. Verse 12, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, You will not bring this community into the land I give them. This is what God's saying to Moses, and this is what he's saying to you and I today is this. Moses, you have control issues. We all in this room have control issues. But this is what God was trying to point out to Moses, and what he's pointing out to you and I today is this. Our control issues are actually trust issues. 
Do you notice that God didn't get mad at Moses for being overwhelmed? God's not mad at you today if your life is overwhelming. God's not mad at you today if you find yourself exhausted and you have nothing left in the tank. God's not mad at you if you're going, man, I don't, I don't know what to do and, and, and I'm just lost. He's not mad at you about that. What God is saying is this to, to Moses and to Aaron is this, here's what I called you to do. I just wanted you to honor me, to trust me. See, control is really about trust. And here's what I'm finding more and more as I read and learn about God is this. I think I'm in control, but you know what I'm actually, the only thing I'm in control of in my life is this. The only thing I control in my life is who I trust. That's the only thing I'm in control of. That's why we give our faith. That's why we place our life in Jesus's hands. Because what happened was in this moment, Moses said, okay, God, I hear you that you are trustworthy, that you have it all together, but you know what? I'll take it from here. I'll trust in me more than I'm gonna trust in you. And you know what happens? See, here's why it matters that you and I trust in the Lord. We get to choose who we trust in, but here's the thing. Here's why this matters. Because you and I don't get to choose our consequences. We don't get to choose our consequences, do we? We make decisions. We place our trust in the lives of people. But here's the deal. The decisions we make, we don't get to choose how people react. Can you imagine what that was like for Moses in that moment? That moment of being out of control when God said, hey, I just need you to go speak to the rock. That's all I need you to do. And he begins to trust himself more than God. And now he's facing the consequence that he won't get to experience the promised land. That he's going to walk in the desert for 40 years and he's not going to experience all that God has for us. See, this is why it's important for you and I to trust the Lord alone, to trust him with the results in our life. Even when we can't see it, even when we don't know how it's all gonna work out, God is saying this, you begin to walk with me. So how is it for us? How is it that we can actually find control in our life? And really what I'm gonna find out and what I, as I prayed over this, this is what I found God was speaking for us. If we really wanna get control in our life, this is what we find in this passage is this. If you and I wanna find control in our life, this is where it starts. You and I have to embrace our limits. We've gotta embrace our limits. You, you see Moses doing this in this passage when he was overwhelmed in the moment, when he was fully hated. Now here's the deal, let's just all be honest, we hate limits, don't we? We don't like any limits. We don't want anybody to put any limits on me. We don't want any of that stuff. But here's what happens in this moment. You know how God worked in Moses' life? He worked in his life when he came in and he fell face down before God. When his life was overwhelmed, when he didn't know how to move forward, he just falls face down before God. And here's what happens. God moved in his life. God said, here's what I have for you, Moses. You just go speak to that rock and water's going to flow out of it. You know why you and I embrace our limits? Because here's what God does in our limits. God breaks our limits when we embrace our limits. God begins to go beyond anything we can do when we actually take time to acknowledge our limits. See, when you and I live without limits, this is how we burn out. When you and I live without limits in our life, when we don't pay attention to our souls, here's what happens. We don't just burn out. We begin to burn out those around us. None of us were made to run 24-7, 365. It's not humanly possible. 
None of us were made just to go at it. Matter of fact, this week after dropping off Carter at kindergarten, you know, it was a 45 minute line. We had our all staff meeting at nine o'clock. I'm late for the all staff meeting and I'm just, I'm hauling to get here, right? And as soon as I'm going to the back road, I'm, I'm flying, trying to get here on time, pass a cop. Right, and I'm going, okay, man. And, and I immediately look up in the, my rear view mirror and I'm going, you know, isn't it funny when you pass a cop and you know you're speeding, like you don't make eye contact, right? You're like, oh no, praise the Lord today, right? You're just like taking, like acting like you're just looking in and taking all creation in. And, and, I, and I immediately look at my rear view mirror, no brake lights. I'm like, okay, all right, we're, we're good. 10 seconds later, you know, get pulled over. I'm like, come on, man, no, I'm late, this, that, and the other. And he goes, do you know what I pulled you over for? No, sir, officer. You know, I'm just on my way to a church meeting. Praise the Lord today, you know. And, uh, and I was, I wasn't lying, you know. And he goes, well, I need to get your license registration. Super kind guy. He goes back. Should have given me a ticket. Just gave me a warning. And then he said this to me. You need to slow down. He, he had no idea what he was saying in that moment. He was saying, physically, you need to slow down. Like, it's not safe for you to drive like that. But what he was really telling me and what I was really hearing that moment was God was going, Nate, you're rushing from this to that and this and that. And I tell you what, I just took a moment to go, you know what? I just dropped my boy off at kindergarten. It's a big moment. I mean, these things are going on. And oftentimes in our relationships, here's what's happening. We're never taking the time to slow down, to really embrace our limits. Because when we embrace our limits, sometimes we feel very defeated when we embrace our limits. But that's the very thing that God wants us to do. Because when we embrace our limits, you and I experience the limitless God. The God who brings water from a rock. The God who says, I know you can't save yourself, but I can save you. The God who says, I have more for you, but here's what I need you to do. I just need you to slow down. I just need you to be with me. What you find in Moses' words to the Israelite is this. You find a man who's not taking the time to slow down. God says, Moses, just go speak to the rock and the water's going to flow. And what he speaks is not to the rock. He speaks to the people and he goes, you rebels must we. Do you hear the pride in that? See, this is how you and I get prideful. We don't slow down. And we don't meet with the Lord and we don't allow him to transform us from the inside out. And we start saying things that don't make sense and we start saying things out of pride. And really what happens is this, we say things out of anger. Moses was angry. And I just wanna let you know, anger is not a sin. The scripture says this 256 times. It says that God got angry because we have a God of justice. And when there's injustice, God is angry about it. But what the scripture says is this, in your anger, do not what? Anybody remember? Sin. In your anger, do not sin. So you and I need to embrace our limits. But here's what happens when we embrace our limits. We need to be honest with God about what's really going on in our lives about what's really going on in our relationships. Moses embraced his limits, but he was honest with the people before he was honest with God. He was honest with them, he let it all out. Now here's the thing, you know what's really behind anger in our life? Psychologists will say this, that anger is actually a secondary emotion. Anger is not your first emotion. And they said the three most common emotions that lead to anger are this, you ready? Hurt, fear, 
and frustration. Think about what Moses was experiencing in this moment. You're back at Kadesh. You're back where you started. You're frustrated. Your sisters just died. You're hurting. And you don't have any food or water and nobody approves of you. There is deep fear, frustration, and hurt all mixed into this. No wonder he unleashes on these people. See, this is why it matters that you and I embrace our limits and we're honest with God. Matter of fact, one of the books that's been helpful for me in this last season, I read it over my study break and and I keep going back to it. It's a book called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And I love the tagline. It says, moving from shallow Christianity to deep transformation. Part of the reason why I love this book is it has pictures in it. I love pictures, man. I'm like, oh, that's what he's trying to say. And one of the pictures, I want to show you, this is super helpful for me in the book. Because sometimes we are running so fast, we don't even know what's going on. Is this why in in road rage, when things come out, we go, where'd that come from? It's there. We just haven't slowed down to recognize or we haven't been honest with it. Pete Scazzaro says this. He says, really, what's going on inside of us is like an iceberg where people and sometimes ourselves, we only see 10% of our life. But really, there's 90% beneath the surface of what's going on in us. And he asks these questions in the book, good things for you and I to ask. What are you mad about today? Man, what are you sad about today? What are you anxious about? What are you glad about? What I found is this, oftentimes I unleash on people and the people around me have nothing to do with it. You got nothing to do with it. It's everything that's going on inside of me. See, this is why God is saying, I'm inviting you into this. Matter of fact, James, Jesus' brother, he writes this because this was going on in the early church. They wouldn't slow down to allow God to deal with the deeper things in them, which is that's how we heal our relationships with one another. We've got to start with what's going on in us. Listen to what James says it this way in James chapter 1, verse 19. He said, my dear brothers... Take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Then he says this, therefore get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Here's what I love of what James is saying here. When he says, get rid of all moral filth, some of you are going, Nate, I've tried. You know what he means when he says, get rid of it? This is what he's saying. When you and I get rid of it, here's how it begins. You and I actually get real with it. Get real today with your father. What are you really hurt today? What are you really afraid of today? See, control issues are actually trust issues. What are you frustrated with today? And will you allow God to be real with you? Would you allow God to be real? This is how James ends it. He says, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. You know what I find most fascinating about the story with Moses? God meets him in his brokenness. 
And he just says, go speak to the rock. Moses not only doesn't speak to the rock, he speaks to the people. He acts like he's the savior. Then he takes the staff and he doesn't speak to the rock. He hits the rock twice. He just loses control. And you know what I found just fascinating in this story more than anything else is this. The water still came out of the rock. Matter of fact, you know what the passage says? The water gushed out of the rock. When you and I aren't in control and we're acting a fool, God is still in control. See, we have a God who's going, even when you and I have lost it, he's not lost it. He's a God who can bring the consequences and he can bring the comfort of water to his people. He's a God who is over all things. But here's what he's saying to Moses. Here's what he's saying to Aaron. Here's what he's saying to you and I. If you and I really want to get control of our life, gaining control of our life is actually by you and I giving control of our life to the Lord. That's how you and I get control in our life. You and I will not be able to control all the circumstances in our life. We will not be able to control everybody else. You will not be able to control your spouse. You just need to allow the Lord to heal you today. All right? You're going, you will not be able to totally control all the decisions of your kids. You will not be able to control your neighbor that will not mow their lawn. Right? You, know, you will not be able to control all this stuff. But here's the thing. You and I have an opportunity today to give God control in our lives. This is what I love about this story. Yes, Moses missed the mark, but greater than Moses missing the mark is a God who always meets us right where we are. And he gives us living water. Matter of fact, that's what Jesus calls himself. In John chapter 4, there was a woman who Jesus met at a well, if you're familiar with the story, but the woman was totally out of control. Not only was she out of control, she had no control over her life. If you were not married in that time, you could not own property. You could not be able to really create your own life. You were totally dependent on other people. And what had happened is man after man had abused and used her and kicked her to the curb. And here she comes. She comes at the heat of the day and she meets Jesus at the well. And she came at the heat of the day because she didn't want to be around the other people who would make fun of her because everybody knew her life was out of control. And what happens is this, Jesus meets her at the well and he asks her for a cup of water. She goes, oh, no, no, no. If you knew me, you wouldn't be asking for a cup of water. And Jesus goes, interesting. And this is what he tells her in John chapter four, verse 10. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that ask you for a drink, you would ask him for a drink and he would have given you what? Living water. Here's the good news for you and I today. Water still comes from the rock. Before there was Dwayne Johnson, there was Jesus Christ. We have a rock who is still giving us today living water. Water that washes over our control issues. Water that washes over our sin issues. 
water that washes over our fears, water that washes over the hurt and the loss that we experience in this life. It's this living water that keeps gushing to us, that keeps flowing to us, that says this, in this world you will thirst again, but when you drink of this living water, you will never thirst again. Your soul will always be quenched. Your life will find the relief that you need. Matter of fact, next weekend, it's our baptism weekend. It's an opportunity for people to say, you know what, I've never trusted this living water. I've always been in control of my life and that's actually what's made my life out of control. And next weekend, we're gonna allow, we're gonna give people an opportunity after the service to go, man, if you've never given God control, if you've never said, God, I am trusting you because the only thing you get to control in your life is who you trust. We're gonna give you an opportunity next weekend to give your life to the Lord. Maybe you need to talk even with somebody today over at the cross and to say, God, man, my life is out of control. I need your control because the living water is still flowing. Matter of fact, what we're gonna do here in a moment is we're gonna take communion. We're gonna take the bread and the juice. And what we do is this, when we take the bread and the juice, what you're declaring, what I'm declaring when I take the bread and the juice is this, Jesus, I'm not trusting myself. Jesus, or I'm trusting you. I'm not gonna trust myself. I'm not gonna try to control this. Jesus, I'm gonna give you control. I'm gonna walk with wherever you're calling me to walk. God, I'm gonna step into whatever you've called me to step into. But I'm gonna trust the living water today. And here's how I want us to go into this time of communion. Before you take the bread and the juice, here's what I wanna do. I wanna put this slide back up. And what I wanna give you right now in a moment, just with your heavenly father is this. There might be a question on this screen that today you just need to get real with God about. You're unleashing on everybody else and you've never been honest with your heavenly father. See, this is what the cross is all about. The cross meets us in our anger. The cross meets us in our sadness. The cross meets us in our anxiety. The cross meets us in our joy and it keeps giving us joy. And so right now, what I want you to do is just to be honest with the Lord. Then we'll put a scripture up on the screen and invite you to take communion. Then we're gonna sing at the end. But right now, let us in this moment honor him by giving him trust and control of our lives. Let's talk to your father right now.